This is a Federal News Network podcast. The pandemic created unprecedented stock market volatility, but you knew that already. Your thrift savings plan has taken a hit, but the agency that administers the TSP says the vast majority of you federal investors have stayed the course. The TSP says it's been able to keep up operations remotely. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to explain the impact of the coronavirus on the TSP. And other than the tanking of the funds, tell us more. So the board says for the most part, yes. So I think, Tom, the last time we talked about the TSP, uh, the board had some numbers from February 24th through March 7th, about 5% had submitted an interfund transfer. And that typically means they're moving money from all the other funds to the typically safe G fund. And this time they say from February 24th through the end of March, about 7% of participants have conducted an interfund transfer. And, you know, but to put that into perspective, that means that 93%, really the vast majority of participants weren't stirred to react. Still, though, this is a record high number of interfund transfers for the TSP. And participants moved some $15 billion into the G fund from all the other funds. Still a relatively small number of participants making those moves. And just to put this all into perspective for you, Sean McCaffrey, he's the chief investment officer for the TSP. And he talked a little bit about the bear market, which is another term that we've been hearing a lot about recently and says that it took about a month for the market to achieve that. That's typically a 20% decrease in the S&P 500 from peak to trough. That's the shortest time ever, he says. So there really was some serious volatility. And, you know, we can't necessarily say that we're behind it at all at this point. No, it was quite a swoon. And I think people are not sure whether it's over or not because it's been gyrating back and forth, up and down. It's up in one day, down the next day. And of course, the index is not exactly showing, you know, the Dow Jones Industrial Average doesn't exactly say what your particular fund will do. Is it too early to see any evidence that people that have been moving money out into the G fund are moving it back so that when the more lucrative funds get lucrative again, they can enjoy the upturn? I think it is still too soon to tell on that particular question, Tom. But uh, McCaffrey, the chief investment officer at the TSP, has said that many of the TSP funds are seeing some positives for the month of April. So, uh, you know, some improvement there. But again, I think probably too soon to tell whether or not they're swinging those money, they're swinging that money back into the other funds. Yeah, we just don't want people to sell low and buy high. That's not a good way right. to uh, to ensure a safe and long-term retirement there. Now, the TSP, the operation itself is mostly remote. How have they been doing that? Well, all of the federal employees are working at home and they will have to do so through May 15th. That's mandatory. But since the last time we talked about this, Tom, the big accomplishment has actually been moving the contractor employees, about 600 of them. These are the people who take your phone calls, process your withdrawals, do all of the day-to-day administrative pieces of the TSP. 600 of those employees are working remotely now, and the contract centers do have a skeleton crew on site. The TSP says, you know, it was voluntary whether or not you wanted to come in, and they say they're practicing social distancing. 
but the FRTIB says moving these contractors, it was about 80% of their contractor workforce, something they've never done before. And they did that in three weeks. And that was a big, big feat for them, especially because most of the federal employees back in Washington were working from home. And, you know, they did say, like a, a lot of agencies that we've heard from at this point, that they did have, have to expand their bandwidth. And service levels, for the most part, haven't changed during the move, which is another good sign. The TSP is also starting to implement some of the other provisions in the CARES Act, which we've talked about before, Tom. Uh, the big one there was halting uh, required minimum distributions. This is something that retirees age 72 and older really have to worry about. That has That is being handled. They're currently reviewing whether or not they can implement some other provisions of the CARES Act, things like suspending loan payments or increasing the maximum loans as just a couple of examples. And then just to wrap up the operations piece of the TSP, so, you know, employees are still teleworking. They're starting to talk about reopening, but they say it'll be phased and gradual. And the phrase that I heard, which I thought was, you know, quite a good one for this time, is they're taking the approach of inviting staff to come back to the office versus requiring them to be on site. So I think we'll hear more about that later. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Yeah, a couple of interesting points there. I guess if you have a SIRS pension then and a TSP, that is the old timers, then you can probably get by without your minimum required distribution financially because you've got most of the salary that you had when you were working, cost of living adjusted, even though you're not getting Social Security. But the people on the FERS pensions or people that might be younger or retired early, that's a heavy lift to be able to live on your pension only if your pension and your minimum withdrawal constitutes your main income. And it's interesting that their service has remained the same. I guess every government agency can't say that these days, can it? No, I don't think so. And I think... You know, the last time we heard from the TSP, they were talking about moving those contractor employees to remote work. And the fact that they've done it in three weeks is a pretty big feat, I think, for a relatively small agency, especially considering that IT hasn't always been the FRTIB's strong suit. Sure. And let's talk a little bit more about reopening. Uh, You spoke with some former agency heads about how they might approach this question, this idea of fast or slow. What did you find out? Well, this is really interesting, and I think it's interesting because of how many more questions the the question of reopening really opens up for a lot of agencies. And I spoke with Chris Liu, a former deputy labor secretary, and then I also spoke with Dan Blair, who's a former deputy director at the Office of Personnel Management. And both of them said, look, you know, really the approach has to be that you follow the lead of the states, which really is the guidance from the White House. But then they talked about just how uncomfortable some employees might be to come back to the office and how agency leaders are really going to have to deal with that and perhaps approach questions that they have never had to approach before, especially things like, what if you do become sick and you come into the office and you don't want to leave either because you think you don't have enough leave in your bank to go home and and be sick or because you just don't want to, you know, maybe you like being at work, you like coming to the office So the two of them really talked about just a huge variety of questions that these agency leaders are going to have to face. And I think the big sticking point that they brought up is whether or not you ultimately trust your agency leader to make the right call about reopening your office. 
And data tells us from the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey that eh, it's about half and half. A little over 50% say they trust their senior leaders to do the right thing, or they say they have honesty and integrity. And, you know, the other 50% say not so much. So I think the next couple of weeks here, as we see more agencies start to make calls on reopening, are going to be really telling. And I think, too, the individual circumstances are going to have to be taken into account by agency leadership. I think a lot of people are going to be worried more about taking the metro on two different lines, transferring in some crowded station, and then getting off, say, at L'Enfant Plaza or something like that, where there's throngs of people, or will be eventually. That could be a scarier prospect than being in the office itself. Yeah. And of course, once you get to the office, there's how you get in the building. Are you tested? Are you screened for the virus? Is your temperature taken? You know, that guidance mentioned taking your temperature at home before coming in. I mean, are you going to trust people to do that? So a lot of unanswered questions, I think, that we'll start to see maybe an inconsistent approach to in the coming weeks and months. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And one other question, presidential transition. There's a deadline actually coming up on that, regardless of whether the current administration continues or a new one is voted in to replace it. That's right. So cabinet agencies have until the end of this week, actually, to name their agency transition directors. These people should be senior career executives and they'll sit on an agency transition directors council. That council will be led by the transition coordinator at the General Services Administration, plus the deputy director for management at OMB. The council is supposed to meet for the first time near the end of May. And the point of this council is to draw from you know, lessons learned from those prior transitions, which we hear about often, and make sure that there are plans ready for career executives who might be asked to temporarily serve in place of political appointees while either a brand new administration or this current administration maybe puts new nominees through that Senate confirmation process. And then that's all leading up to a September 15th deadline to have succession plans ready for all non-career senior positions at the agency. And these transition coordinators are typically responsible for putting together these huge binders of succession plans. Uh, So that's another activity that agencies are going to have to deal with, again, whether we have a new person in the White House or not. I guess one clue uh, to get ready if you are career is if the current leadership the current political leadership says it's going to be leaving regardless of whether, say, the president is reelected or not, then chances are you're going to be tapped to act as that leadership role at some point for some period of time between now and the election or post-election and the new one comes in. Yeah, and we already know, Tom, that several positions already have acting leadership in place right now. You know, I'm thinking about the Department of Homeland Security that hasn't had a secretary for a year now. It's been over a year. There are a lot of acting executives in place throughout government. So it should be interesting, like you said. Like Dorothy said in Oz, people certainly do come and go a lot around here. (laughs) Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out all of her stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. And stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resources page at federalnewsnetwork.com. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.